Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, You know what? Take a breath. Uh, We're dealing with some things that our lives will be probably a little different for... uh, for a while, a few weeks, maybe a few months, we don't know, but um, we're going to be okay. Uh, you know, and there's going to be opportunities out of this, too. You know, we've, I know when I was growing up, we had family time and we had sports. I was a huge sports fanatic, played just about every sport imaginable, but we played a lot of them and just pick up games with kids. We did a lot more stuff with our families than it seems to happen now. Maybe this is a good time to refocus on the family. You know what? Get a nice day. We're going to be, take a kid fishing. We're going to be talking about the fishing taking off for spring here. Almost this entire show. We've got a few other other topics in there we'll talk about. But, um, you know, get outside. You've got ponds near your home. They're not going to be crowded. You've got lakes around the area. You can have plenty more than six feet of separation standing on the shore of a lake with a kid. Take a picnic lunch. you got a picnic table there. Go for a hike. Ride a bike. You know, spend some time with the kids that maybe they used to go to their sporting event and you plop down on the couch and watch some sports. Now's a good time to just spend that time with the family. Get reacquainted and learn to enjoy the incredible outdoors we have here in Colorado. This is probably one of the safest places to be. But, uh, you know, just everybody settle down, and I think we'll get through this just fine. Let's go to the phones now. And somebody I know who's taking a kid fishing, and she's not very old, though, but she's probably out fishing them already. We're being joined by Austin Parr. I saw the pictures, Austin. It sure is a fun time to get my little daughter out on the water, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, she really takes takes off and, and really enjoys it. Well, you know, I, I started out, and I wasn't going to really get on a soapbox, but I just want to tell people to, you know, do some family things, you know, Kids are looking at all this on the TV and things, and they're getting a little worried, I'm sure. So if you take a kid out by one of the local ponds fishing, and if you're just sitting there even passively fishing, you don't have to talk about life. Questions come up. Things come up. And you can talk and reassure them and just have a closeness and bond. And whether it has anything to do with what we're fighting right now or just building that bond, it's going to make them feel more comfortable. And it's a Great family time to get out there. So, you know, it's there's silver linings to every cloud. Not to mention this time of year with our ice out, there's a lot of good opportunities to get out there and have some success, too. Well, that's why you're here. Tell us about some of those. So right now, boat ramps, as of yesterday, they opened on, on Cherry Creek. So if you want to go run and take your, your boat out, as well as up in northern Colorado, places like Boyd or, or at Jackson Lake, all of those are open for boating and, and cherry creek already uh, this morning from a couple of folks i've been talking to have it's been working well with uh, some lead core trolling out in the main basin uh some of the trout up shallow too they uh, they did stock several of these lakes uh fairly recently so some trout along your shores are, are really good but uh, that lead core bite out in that main basin right now with some small crankbaits and one of my good friends was catching some fish on some rogues out there uh, early yesterday on, on the lead core in the main basin as well so that's been really productive you know, I've before before, like St. Yeah, go before ahead. we move on from that, I used to live by Cherry Creek Reservoir, and most people know I live in Fort Collins now. 
And this time of the year, I would be on Cherry Creek uh, regularly. Now, we want people to know the spring walleye bite turns on and off a lot. And you very seldom get numbers. But when you do, you really get numbers. But if you put some time in, you can catch some big fish. And you talked about that basin, which is probably the most prevalent one of those basins, is probably that 20-foot drop as you get out away from the dam where those big females uh, stage for pre-spawn. And I used to go, I'd go about a mile, mile and a half an hour with lead core, and you'd be in about 20 feet, and you'd have to adjust so you were just above the bottom. And I'd use a husky jerk. And the reason I used a husky jerk is because it has a much, it's a, it's a jerk bait, and it's, but it's got a much more subtle wobble than a regular rapalomino or a rogue or, a, or a something else. And it just kind of subtly rolls like a, a bait fish in cold water. And I would troll that basin, and I'd probably only get three to six bites a day, but they would be twenty to twenty plus inch fish, sometimes in the high twenties, all the time. Yep. Yeah, and I completely agree. And this time of year is really one of the the best times to catch those those big fish. And and Cherry Creek, for some reason, as far as the big fish are concerned, they they give you more of an opportunity in the middle of the day, whereas a place like Chatfield tends to be more of a night bite in the springtime for those bigger fish. So if you're looking to get out there in the day, get your boat out right now, like we mentioned, Cherry Creek is a good option, and you're probably not going to catch a ton, but there are some fish to be had out there and really big fish. That, that, fish, that, that fishery houses as big of walleyes as anywhere in the state. Oh, yeah. Uh, I held a fish out there one time during the spawn when I was volunteering to help that well, it wouldn't be now because they've put the world record back to 25 pounds. But for a while, they had disallowed that and was down to 22 pounds. I held a fish that if it had eaten one of those big shad, would have pushed the world record. I mean, that's yep. the size of some fish that come out of there now. That was decades ago because I'm old and that fish is dead. But they're a huge fish. I mean, I remember the state record in Colorado was over 18 pounds. and But it's a different kind of fishing. It's the kind of fishing where you've got to be willing to put your time in for little sporadic, either sporadic good bites or a few bites for big fish. But you mentioned something else, too, and this is true in all the places they stock. Right now, stock trout are just by the shore. The ones that have been holdover think they're trying to spawn. The ones that have just been stocked kind of relate to the shore yet. That's where the warmer water is. That's where the bug life is. The average weekend angler, if they just want to take, go down and catch some fish or take their kids and go catch some fish, there's so many basic ways they can go after those trout from shore almost everywhere right now. Absolutely. And, and places like Chatfield or Cherry Creek or Aurora can be productive, but also places like St. Brain State Park up more in northern Colorado is a really good option, particularly for the fact that it did not get very good ice this year. So they stocked it really heavily before the ice came on. And now the ice has come off, obviously, but the, the ice fishing was poor out there this year as far as conditions were concerned. So not many people really were pressuring those fish, and it should offer some, some great action on those guys. But then the, the lake like Blue Heron over there, you've got bass and, and walleyes and saw guys in there and, and offering multi-species opportunities as well as a lot of panfish with the trout. Yeah, it's like it can be uh, – they kind of cycle – but it can be some of those ponds can be great for crappies, and those crappies are going to be starting to pre-spawn and move closer to shore. Absolutely. So that's a, a great spot to target, particularly if you want to take some kids out. Uh, that can be really good. But then 
kind of shifting gears a little bit as well. If you're a fly fisherman, this is a really, really good time to get out right now, too. You're starting to see some fish maybe moving into some spawning activities at places like the Dream Stream, but then places like the lower Arkansas down by Salida. That's been fishing really well down there, clear water still, and and fish that are really starting to get active. How about, uh, you know, for the longest time, the weather stayed on and off, the ice build up, and Bear Creek and Clear Creek, just above town and coming into town, still had ice build up. I would think most of that is really starting to loosen up now. Yep, so you'll still have a little bit of shelf ice in areas, and in areas that are more shady on bends are going to still have a little bit of ice, but you'll have uh, the majority of those those rivers are going to be fishable, at least enough to, to get some nice drifts in, and, and uh, predominantly those fisheries house brown trout, so you're not going to be thinking your egg flies quite so much as you would uh, in places with more rainbows like the Dream Stream right now, but small betas and midge patterns are really effective. Little RS2s can be great. Um, zebra midge on the most basic level, but things like a chocolate thunder or going through a jujube midge all can work really well. And typically those fisheries are more of a dry fly dropper fishery because they're so small. But I would be focusing much more on your nymphs and your emergers right now. So getting a short little indicator rig with maybe just a little bit of split shot or utilizing a, weight, a heavily weighted fly like a, a two-bit hooker from Umpqua can be great to get a double tungsten bead to get you down a little bit more and then trail a, one of the lighter midge patterns below that. But uh, those can really be effective in the pocket water up there and offer great action close to Denver. And, and, and there's a lot of other opportunities as well. South Boulder Creek, as of late, has been, been really low flow, so maybe not so much there. But going up to your neck of the woods on, uh, you know, the, the Big Thompson up there or, or the Pooter likely are going to be the same. And certainly the Big Thompson up toward Lake Estes, you'll have plenty of open water on that tailwater up there. Well, and if people are interested in uh, the Big Thompson or the Pooter, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, I have a solo sh- uh, show that I shot on the Pooter. Well, I guess I was with somebody, but we shot, a, we shot it on the Pooter, did a number on those browns, both either, each of us separately and together. And then um, we did a, um, Janice O'Shea did a teaching video. She took a young lady out who was learning fly fishing and fished the Big Thompson. That's on my YouTube channel, and it very explains, um, you know, nymph rigs and how they were approaching the river in great detail. And then uh, up from uh, Kirk's Fly Shop up in Estes, Kirk and I fished that a couple times at different times of the year. So there's quite a bit of information on my YouTube channel on those two rivers. Uh, you know, and there's just uh, a lot going on in the fly fishing. Have you heard much about the, how about the South Platte up through Cheeseman you know, and those areas? It's been doing really well. So the, the flows have, have bumped up slightly. They've been kind of up and down over the last little bit here. Uh, anglers have been having success up there. The crowds have been a little bit rough, but uh, it's kind of, I guess, par for the course up there anymore. But uh, hiking up through Cheeseman Canyon has been really productive. A little bit bigger flies have been starting to work, some smaller micro stones and micro leeches. Uh, and I say say smaller stone, but that's a much larger fly than you're normally going to be fishing in, in size 16s or even up into 14s. But then trailing your same betis and midge larvae down below have been good. And I have been hearing of a few fish trying to spawn up there as well. So an egg fly here or there, uh, particularly over the next couple of weeks, is going to be a, a good idea. And kind of be watching those flows because once the flow pops up a little bit, uh, you're going to find that that river is really going to light up this spring. And, and the best website to, to find that is actually the 
Colorado Division of Water Resources. You can go to their homepage, and on the bottom left on your screen, uh, you click on surface water and uh, real-time stream flows. And when you find that, uh, you can go through every single gauging station in the entire state, and whether or not that's relevant to fly fishing or fishing in general, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff on on community ditches and stuff like that. But uh, that can show you real-time, as it's happening, stream flows on any drainage in the whole state. Now, before we, I want to get back to the the stock trout and how you can work your way up the mountains as these lakes become ice free. But what about any uh, ice fishing uh, opportunities left that people seem to be gleaning on? Are we starting to see those conditions deteriorate? What are you hearing up there? Still, some pretty good ice conditions out there. So, eleven mile on the edges are, are starting to gray slightly, but the overall ice thickness up there is still very solid. Same thing with Terryall. I mean, we're seeing in areas close to thirty inches of ice still. But uh, Granby, there's still a lot of people that are heading up there. Still some slush to be had. Um, but then I got a report yesterday that North Park, at least at uh, North Delaney, was still sitting at 24 to 28 inches. Um, and the early morning bite has been productive as usual, but uh, this time of year. It's all about, uh, you know, hitting it early and, and maybe moving along to, to something else later in the day. The bite kind of slows a bit. But one lake that tends to not do that so much, a little bit longer drive still, but uh, Steamboat Reservoir, Steamboat Lake, uh, north of the town of Steamboat, is one of my favorites this time of year. And, and uh, that lake, for some reason, tends to not have issues with the action in the middle of the day. You can catch lots of fish late in the season and uh, still holding really solid ice. Yeah, and there's going to be ice fishing opportunities probably uh, well into April. Just be careful and and check the conditions. But uh, uh, Lake John has good ice, too, and it's fished slower this year than people expected. But the fish they're catching there have been very large. So it's been... They have been. been, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that there's a a little bait fish in there called a stickleback minnow that's kind of been uh, affecting the fishery a little bit. They've been having a lot of feed up there. But uh, we've been up a couple of times, and, and the, the, the key to our success has been downsizing and a lot of times uh, more of like a red tone bait, so little red ratzos, um, and then a little baby trout magnets. The little small red trout magnets worked really well for us up there as well, and it seemed to work much better than trying to, to perfectly imitate that bait fish with something like a gulp minnow or a power bait realistics minnow. Yeah, sometimes you're better off not looking like the hatch because – you don't stand out enough and just become that last piece of candy in the dish or that last piece of pizza in the box that if you look at it long enough, it looks too easy and tempting. You have to eat it. That's the way we used to describe that. We're going to cut. We're going to keep it a little longer. I'll make this up with Parks as they, they're on. They're waiting to come on, but I'll make sure and give them plenty of time. But I want to touch real quickly. We just had a giveaway where we gave away a bunch of inline spinners. And the reason we, we based that on... Uh, a video on my YouTube channel on fishing Lawn Hagler Reservoir from a boat. I will be posting one like that on North Michigan, doing those same tactics from shore. But right now, whether you want to sit and passively fish with something like power bait or even night crawlers, uh, or if you want to start casting lures like spinners and spoons and even small jigs, these stock trout are going to be very active by shore. As they get pressured and the water warms, they're going to move away a little, but then the ice will recede from the mountains, and you really have about six, eight weeks of this fishing as you follow it up the elevation, where it's really, you don't need a lot of, uh, you don't need any special equipment, just a, a basic spinning rod, and you don't need excessive amounts of knowledge. You just need to put some time in, and you're almost sure to catch some fish. Don't you agree? 
Absolutely, and and it really is a nice thing because you don't have to go and, and have an entire tackle box full of stuff. A couple little small jerk baits, some cast masters, some inline spinners, and uh, you can go and have a lot of success. And a lot of times you can just work your shoreline. It's a very active and mobile technique where you can just start working down, just keep, kind of walk down and keep casting at an angle, 45-degree angle down the shoreline, adjusting your lures until you, you find something that's really going to work. But this is really the, if you're looking to target trout, you know the next six weeks, as you mentioned, is really one of the best times because you'll you'll fish around here for a little bit, and then you'll start to see some ice out. Not even full ice out is necessary up in the mountains, though. All you need is just a little bit, and uh, you can have great success anywhere from 11 Mile or Terry All North Park, uh, North Michigan, as you mentioned there. Anywhere as you go, as that ice starts to recede, those trout are going to be very active along the shorelines and and exceptionally willing to cooperate. Well, and and we've got to go because uh, Ben Shapiro, Ben Sharp is waiting to uh, talk to us about the fishing report and the changes and the, getting it going for for the season. But the last thing I'll say, you can't chum in Colorado, but you can take a bait like power bait and get a second rod stamp, throw that power bait out there. And you will catch fish on it. You don't. You can just passively fish, but it'll also attract fish in that will hit your lure. Absolutely, it's a great technique to go in and utilize early in the season. All right, we got to run, Austin. Tell them how they find you if they want more information. I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive. We're down here in the store, and I'm going to be getting after the guiding a bunch this year. So we're looking forward to that as well. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Terry. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Parks and Wildlife will join us, and we'll give you the, the latest scoop on the fishing report right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones, where I hope patiently waiting is uh, Ben Sharp from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Good morning, Ben. Hey, good morning, Terry. Hey, sorry we ran a little late, but we're going to take plenty of time on this. But Austin, always, you were listening. I know Austin just has some great information, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yep, a lot of great info as we start to transition into that spring fishing season. Well, you're right, and information is so key. Um, You know, we talk about this in hunting and fishing a lot over the course of the year on this show is that, you know, the more homework you're willing to do, the more information you gather— before you go on a trip, even though conditions will change, it gives you a starting point, an understanding of what's going on. It really exponentially helps your success. And that's why you want to talk to us about the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Fishing Report, which during the winter runs every other week because of ice fishing. But as we transition in the spring, you're going to go back to every week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we would find in that fishing report? Yeah, so the structure of the report put out by Colorado Parks and Wildlife, we like to start with news and information, um, current events that are going on in tournaments in the state, um, so anglers can find that sort of information right there. We also have links to our social media at the bottom of the front page, and that has more information on some of those events that are occurring across the state. Um, We then get into our stocking report, which has information on catchable fish, which we consider to be 10 inches or longer, Um, and then It has links to the Colorado Fishing Atlas as well. Um, Basically, the Colorado Fishing Atlas is an interactive map. You can look at different bodies of water across the state and then bring up information on the species that are present, um, fishing pressure in that area, any sort of special regulations and things of that nature. Um, And then we do pick a catch of the week each week. 
um, and you can submit photos. There's an email address on the fish report where you can submit photos for that. And then we like to get into the conditions. Um, basically, we separate the state. We have the metro area, so Aurora, Chatfield, and Cherry Creek, and then the northeast and southeast, and then northwest and southwest portions of the state. Um, and then we have our overall state conditions. That's where we like to talk about the weather for the weekend, help people plan a bit more. Um, and then after all that, we provide a tip each week. Now, that's a, so, so much information in there. Now, we want people to know you're gathering this, and it comes out kind of towards the end of the week. But as you're gathering this, you know, conditions will change. You know, even on this show, we get reports from guys sometimes who are on the water. But by the time you get there, it's going to be a little different. But what those conditions do is they tell you, you know, different parts of the state, different bodies of water, kind of what the generally is going on, what people are seeing happen. And it gives you such a great starting point. So suppose I was uh, wanted to log on. I was heading out to Sterling Reservoir. I would go to the northeast section of the fishing report, right? Yep. And then I yep. would look um, up, look Sterling, and w- and then I would find information that was gathered how? So to compile the report, it takes a few days to write. Um, we get as much information as we can from various online sources. Um, we research flows, water temperatures, lures and flies that are working, um, things of that nature. And then we also will reach out to local shops and anglers Um, and ask them if they have any information. We can always, you know, the more info we can provide, the better. Um, We have a link on our website, too, where anglers can submit their own conditions, and then we'll go through that and help make the report more current in that way. And, And so you try to keep it as current as you can, and it comes out, it's come out on Fridays now. And by the way, there's a lot of ways you can get the fishing report, but if you happen to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, on Facebook, Karen gets the fishing report as soon as you guys post it because we're on your news releases and things. And she puts it out there on our social media immediately. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you can get it immediately in your news feed. Well, where else can you find it? Um, so you can go to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website and under things to do, we have a fishing tab. Um, so you can find it under there. There's also a tab where you can sign up to get an email with it each week. And then that email will just, we send it out as soon as the report's done. Um, And then it has links to the report and then other, you know, links to other parts of the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website. So you can sign up for that email as well. Now, if uh, you said there's some tips and tricks in there, what might be something, let's take both a river and maybe a local lake. Let's first say if I was looking for conditions on a river, um, you're going to probably tell me what kind of flies are working, what the fish are doing. But then somewhere else in the report, you might have a general tip or trick on fly fishing. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So one of the first reports I did, um, and tips that can be as complex as during the ice fishing season, um, we came up with a beginner's guide for ice fishing that included the checklist of gear and kind of went through what you would need if you just wanted to get started and want to get out there and try it. Um, So that one was a little bit more complex. And then we have his basic ones. um, If you're going out to a river, like the bow and arrow cast, um, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, but it's a great way um, to get your fly out there in Colorado, especially where there's a lot of vegetation and you don't have as much room to cast. Um, So we have those more general tips, and then we'll also have more complex ones. Now, if you're going to, like we had just got done talking about the 
stock trout that are cruising the shore in a lot of ponds and lakes right now that are very accessible. Are you likely to have a tip on how to fish for those, or is it more going to be in the information on how they're catching them on each body of water? So we'll have, it could be a general tip for that exact sort of thing, especially with the time of year. We're trying to, you know, get, get those tips that are going to be helpful at that point in time. But then we'll also break down, you know, the specific body of water and let people know, you know, what's been working there and what they might want to try to increase their chances of success. So it's definitely a great starting point. And that along with the Atlas um, can really help anglers kind of see what they might want to try, what kind of tackle they might want to bring. And then from there, of course, getting out there and, you know, if you do have success, we definitely appreciate any kind of report we can get as well, um, and we'll always include that. So it's a great starting point. Now, if uh, it's been every other week during the winter because it's a little more difficult to gather information, there aren't as many anglers out. But now is it back now to the once a week, or does that start soon? What's the timing of that? Yeah, so it will go back to once a week now. We like to have it at once a week, especially the early ice season, so we can get as accurate information on ice conditions at various bodies of water um, and help keep people safe out there. And then late ice, late ice season, it will go back to every week. Um, so right about now is when, when it starts coming out every Friday again. Sounds like a lot of great information there, uh, Ben, and I appreciate all the work you guys put into it. And if used properly, um, it's just a great tool. Thank you so much for joining us. Yep, thank you very much. You bet. That's uh, Ben Sharp from... Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Now, I'll, I'll tell you that um, I opened the show by saying we're going through a little bit of an unusual time right now, but this is a great time for family activities. And fishing, you know, fishing doesn't expose you to a lot of people. You can find a spot along a, a, even a metro lake, and you can bring a picnic lunch, and you can connect. You know, all those weekends that the kids were in organized baseball or soccer and dad was or mom were plopped down in front of a sporting event on the TV. Um, you know what? Get out to the lake. I, you know what? The weather will get a little nicer. But, you know, get out and just go along the shore. It's easy to catch fish. Read that that report. Read the stocking report that comes with it and find out where those fish are going on. Just get out as a family and have a great time. And remember, you can find that uh, stocking report as soon as it comes out and lots of other information about this show if you follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We'll take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to change gears and uh, talk about uh, hunter safety and uh, the requirements there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, Andre uh, Egley. Good morning. Morning, Terry. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. And uh, I'm really excited about maybe people taking advantage of some of the downtime they're going to have otherwise to get outdoors, and I know Parks and Wildlife provides a tremendous amount of resources to do that, and hopefully they'll take advantage of that. But we're going to talk now in this segment about something that if you are going to go out, about turkey hunting, if you're going to go out, any kind of hunting in Colorado, you need to get your hunter safety uh, certificate. So let's talk a little bit about 
Who needs a hunter safety certificate in Colorado? So technically everybody. Um, you need some form of hunter education to get any license in the state. The only exemption is if you were born before 1949. Um, so anybody born after that date, they're going to need some form of hunter education. And we do accept it from every state. Um, we're all under the same guidelines, which are set forth by IHEA, which is the International Hunter Education Association. So even if you just moved here and you got your certification in Michigan, that would work as well as uh, our classes here. All right. So you need that to go hunting. And how do I get one? What's the process to get my hunter safety? So uh, we offer a couple different ways to do it. We have two basic types of classes. Uh, The original one is what we call the standard class. It's all in person. It's at least 10 hours of class time. It's typically split up over at least two days. Uh, Vast majority of them are Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, We also offer a internet conclusion course where the first part, it's about 60% of the course is online. You finish that in your own time uh, at home, no rush to do that. And then you finish it up with an in-person class that's typically just one day, about 40% of the class to wrap it up. And then uh, after both of those classes, you get your card right at the end of the class and you can immediately go down to the store and get your license. Now, um, for, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say you do offer also a class on for uh, archery hunters, but that's not required if you have one of the others. Is that right? In Colorado, it's not. Uh, the bow hunting course, it's the same as the standard course where there's an all-in-person class, and then there's also the Internet option. The bow certificate that you get for that, you can only get an archery license with that uh, hunter at And in Colorado, the standard course that we offer will get you both a rifle and a bow license. It's only in other states. uh, There's about, I think, 12 to 14 states in the U.S. that require that bow certificate. So if you're planning a dream hunt to Alaska, uh, for instance, where they require that, you can take that bow class here uh, and then go to Alaska for that dream moose hunt or something like that. Now, what are the fees to get a hunter education course? Does it cost much? Um, Not normally. The Standard course will never run you more than $10. Uh, If it's being put on by our own staff, our district wildlife managers, or state parks, uh, rangers, and officers, that's going to be free. Um, The only thing that will cost a little bit more is the Internet Conclusion course because you're paying for that online course, and that's $24.50, and then the in-person part will be $10. But that one does fit into people's schedules a little bit better, um, where the final in-person part is just one day. So it kind of – you have to weigh the – you know, the cost versus how, it, how well it fits into your personal schedule. Now, a lot of people think that the hunter education course is just firearms. And firearm safety, if you're going to own firearms, you need training, you need education, probably more than just hunter education, because you owe it, you have a responsibility to be proficient, both for safety and for the animal's sake, with your firearm. But you also need to know the manual of arms so that you safely operate it and understand your responsibilities as a firearm owner. But you cover a lot more than that in the class. Kind of take us through what the curriculum is. Sure. Um, we talk. We try to uh, make it as educational as possible for people who have maybe never even considered going outside. It's a great place to start. Uh, naturally, there is a lot of firearms uh, discussion involved in that. But we also cover survival scenarios, um, outdoor preparedness, wildlife IDs, so you know what you're looking at when you're in the woods, 
we, we cover wildlife management and how hunters play a role in that, the role of Colorado Parks and Wildlife in managing all the wildlife in Colorado, not just the game species, but also endangered species and migratory birds and things like that. Um, we talk about uh, next steps and the classes that you can take after hunter education. Uh, if you want to get into the sport, you can take uh, Elk 101 or uh, Secrets to the Big Game Draw, which are all other classes that we offer after you get your hunter ed. Um, and then we talk about bow hunting. We talk about muzzleloader. Uh, so there's a lot more to it than just, you know, this is a firearm. This is how to properly handle it. Now, you made a comment um about if people who just want to know how to get into the outdoors, and since it is such a low cost, it really, even if you're never going to hunt, you're going to understand what hunters are doing, but there's just so much more that you can learn in this class. It gives you a head start. One thing that jumped out at me was um, when you mentioned survival. We try to do a lot of both comfort and survival education on this show. Uh, Over the years, we'll have different survival experts come in, um, we teach some courses ourselves. We do some on the show. We used to have some of the former hunter education coordinators come on and talk survival tactics because there's so much misinformation. You know, I, I, it really gets the hackles back on the back of my neck when I see on the news that some guy w- got lost or you know injured in the woods and he survived for 48 or 36 hours by e- eating beetles. You know, I mean, it's just... I, I don't know if that stuff drives you nuts, but first of all, he's not going to starve to death in two days, and he probably did more harm than good. Everybody should have a little outdoor survival training, don't you think? Definitely, and we, we like to cover uh, what we call the rule of three, uh, which is how long you can live for different things. Like you can go about three minutes without air and uh, three days without water and then uh, three hours without uh, shelter, uh, but clothing counts as shelter, and then three weeks without food. People don't think that, but you can survive a long time without food. Yeah, and that's um, so we I, talk about the, the priorities when you're actually in that survival situation, so that you can calm yourself and make the right choices. What, what's the number one when you're teaching the survival? What's probably the number one misconception you see that off the top of your head that that people have? Um, I would say that uh, they think they have to have food with them in their survival kit. Like, that's the most important thing is they have to have food or maybe water. But like I said, you can go three days without water. The most important thing is going to be shelter, especially in Colorado. If you're going to be up in the mountains and a snowstorm sets in, um, the most important thing is being able to stay warm and keep dry. So the ability to build a fire or uh, to maybe make a lean-to, some kind of shelter to protect you from the environment is going to be the most important thing. You know, you and I are in exactly the right page. When I teach it, I always teach shelter, proper clothing, staying warm and dry, and then signaling. And I will always tell people to have a way with them to build a fire as long as you're not in some extreme fire danger situation. Because a fire does not only it keeps you warm, it it signals other people, but it doesn't have you wandering off. It keeps you there. It keeps you calm. There's something, you know, just a, a, a mood-changing feel about it that probably building a fire will save more lives than almost anything you can do out there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, hey, I just had someone, they called in or they texted in. They say, what do you do if you lost your certificate? Oh, sure. 
Um, we have a great uh, online system now. It's called uh, ilostmycard.com. So wonderful, really easy to remember website, just ilostmycard.com. And you can go there and look up your card, uh, and it's you order it right then and there. It's a $5 replacement fee. It gets mailed to your house in 7 to 10 business days. But you can also immediately print off a PDF of that card to use immediately. If uh, you realize you don't have it and, you know, the day before you're going out, you can carry that uh, printed one with you until that uh, a permanent one arrives in the mail. And if for some reason you can't find your card, uh, you can call in to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife office, and it's probably as simple as a misspelling of your name or maybe a wrong date of birth, and we can find that in the system, get it uh, updated so that you can order that online. That sounds great. And the last thing, if I want, it has two parts to it. If I want to sign up, where do I find the scheduling? And I guess what we have to ask about everything right now is the scheduling being temporarily impacted by the coronavirus. Yeah, so you can find all of the classes right online. You can go uh, to Colorado Parks and Wildlife's website or just Google Colorado Parks and Wildlife or CPW will pop right up. At the very top of that page, there's a calendar button. If you click that calendar button, it'll bring up a calendar of events. But right above that calendar is a red arrow that's pointing to a link that says, are you looking for hunter education? Click on that link, and that will take you to the full list of all of our classes coming up. You can search by zip code to find the one that's closest to you and is going to be the most convenient for you. Um, and, yeah, as you mentioned, everything is a little fluid right now. Uh, rec centers and things are closing down. So we have had to cancel some classes due to venues pulling out, um, which is it's important people know that there are other options available, especially since the draw is coming up on April 7th. If you're interested in entering the big game draw, uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife offers something called the Apprentice Certificate. So that's essentially a one-year waiver of our hunter education requirement. It allows you to purchase any license in the state without hunter education. Uh, the stipulation is that when you're hunting with that license, you have to be in voice and visual contact with somebody who has hunter ed uh, and is at least 18 years of age. And that person can mentor uh, essentially two people in the field, and that would get you into the draw. If you got that apprentice certificate, it's completely free, uh, but you can only get it once. So it's only good for one year, and then the next year you need Hunter Ed. Uh, if you're signed up for one of our classes right now and it gets canceled, uh, and that was your last chance to get a class in before the draw, you can get that apprentice certificate. That'll get you into the draw, and then you can take your class after the fact sometime this summer. And once you have your Hunter Ed card, you're no longer uh, – restricted the same way you are with that apprentice certificate. So once you have Hunter Ed, you can hunt by yourself. You don't need to be with a mentor anymore. It's only when you have just the apprentice certificate that you're subject to those rules and guidelines. Right. So that's a great uh, tool for people. If anything gets canceled on them last minute, they can still get into the draw and they can still get out this year. Sounds great. Thanks for all the information. We are out of time, Andre, but thank you for joining us. You were just a wealth of information. Uh, my pleasure. You bet. This, you're gonna, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to talk uh, a lot more fishing in the second hour, but I kind of want to wrap up a few of the things we talked about just now. And one is I've been 
I may be preaching a little bit, and I'm sorry if I have, but, you know, our lives are going to change a little bit with what's going on with the coronavirus. A lot of kids' organized sports and activities aren't going to happen. They're going to be out of school, although doing some online schooling, I think. And uh, even and kids and adults both, you're not going to be able to plop down and watch a sporting event on TV or uh, a golf, even a golf match on TV. And you're going to find some time on your hands. Remember that you're not going to interact with a lot of people if you take your kids on a bike ride, if you go for a walk or a hike in a local park or even a, a drive somewhere to one of a more distant park. And as the weather warms up uh, to our state parks and get out and, and see the wildlife and you're, and you're, you're not going to expose yourself to a lot of things. And one that to me is just so simple and so basic and so awesome is fishing. Uh, right now, the local ponds are fishing really well, ponds and lakes for trout. The bass and panfish will start taking off. We'll talk more about that as we get into it. And, of course, there's walleye bites and things going on. But I'm just talking simple, go to the shore, pack a picnic lunch, sit along the shore with your kids, catch a few fish and talk about life. You're going to reassure them, too, that you're not too worried, that life goes on, that there's enjoyment there. And you'll be surprised the bonding that'll happen. So, uh, you know, give some of that a try and maybe get back to some of the things that uh, can bring so much culture and so much bonding to your life. I was fortunate to grow up in a time when the outdoors were a much bigger part of our culture. And as you, if you listen to the show, you know, I would love to see us incorporate more of that back into our lives. I, I think it enriches us in many, many ways. Uh, So we'll, we'll continue to talk about that, but I'm done. No more preaching today. Now we're going to um we're going to take a real quick time out and when we come back uh Nate Zelinsky's going to join us and talk fishing. Uh Brad Peterson's going to join us and talk updates and some of the local conditions and Ronnie Castiglione's going to join us and talk about getting some of your rods and reels ready for the upcoming fishing season on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 the Fan. <laughs> 